Welcome to episode 79 of the Gunfronters podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell. Uh, Jeremy Law is out um, doing the basketball games for Silicon High School tonight. He uh, play by play guy for Silicon the Aggie Sports Network. Um, so he is in Tuscaloosa actually right now calling their game. So we got Gage Pregno, a former guest on the Gunfronters podcast, but it's been over two years since he's been on. Um, so we uh, we got him on here with us, our, our second guest of this season. And uh, Gage, let's start with you. We've talked about it, uh, just me and you. I know we have weekly phone calls that sometimes can last an hour or so, just complaining about what we've seen from Alabama football so far this season. Uh, just give me your broad take. It can be – I'm just going to open it up to you. It can be offense, defense, coaching, players, all the above, whatever. Just give me your – your broad analysis on what you've seen from this Alabama football team so far this year. Goodness. Um, it's pretty broad, but I mean, the, the biggest takeaways are that these kids are just not what we're used to seeing under Saban. I think, um, I mean, that, that's one thing. I think this generation is a little bit different from the, the kids that came up with Saban 10 years ago. Um, I think that, a lot of talk, obviously, about the coordinators, you know, Pete and and Bill. I, I mean, I can go on and on about it. I try not to keep it long-winded. Like you said, we have our conversations about this stuff every week, so I try not to repeat myself to you. But, I mean, I just – I'm I'm interested to see, you know, how this team – Not I'm not trying to talk about next year already, but, you know, to see who's going to stay, um, who who really wants to step up and take a shot at it for next year. I mean, they got big shoes to fill, obviously, with Bryce at quarterback. Um, I mean, we've seen Jalen play a little bit. I mean, there's a lot of room for improvement there. I um, was fortunate enough to go see a scrimmage in the spring and uh, got to see Ty Simpson spin it a little bit, and he shows some promise. And um, I'm just – I'm really interested to see where this puts Saban in a mindset of um, is it is it going to be like this now because the transfer portal is changing the game, the NIL is changing the game, everyone is, is you know, catching up to what it takes to put these players in positions that are athletes to have the ball and continue to move forward. Um, I mean, at that, I've harped on it many times to you about how for the most of the season, the majority of it, we, we love to hear Saban talk about how much he enjoys coaching the secondary and working with DVs and then for a major part of the season, it was one of our biggest flaws. You know, every ball that got thrown more than 15 yards downfield, we're either getting beat or we're getting a pass interference call and giving them move the chain. So um, it's just a lot of question marks moving into next year. Um, I'm, again, I'm not trying to look ahead, but um, I know a lot of people are hanging on to like that 15% chance that Bama can still make the playoffs. But, I mean, you're talking about a lot of things having to, to, to fall our way. Um, so I'm just – I guess I'm excited for this week. Um, it's kind of bittersweet. Almost expected to be Bryce's last game in an Alabama uniform. Um, so just want to sit back and enjoy it. We've got some family coming up for, you know, the holidays and everything. So hopefully it'll be a smooth game and we don't uh, we don't get ran out of Bryant-Denny by Coach Cadillac. Yeah, let's, let's hope that we can finally flip a switch. Um, and And – uh, an Aaron Rodgers quote from what he said a couple of weeks ago was we're not dead yet. And on Friday night, it, it seemed like there was a lot that had to happen for Alabama to, to make the college football playoff. And then Lester Tennessee goes into Williams Bryce stadium, a place where Alabama has lost before it's the number one team in the country. And they didn't have one of these games where, you know, they turned the ball over and it was, rainy conditions and you know they had a couple of big plays not go their way they didn't get some calls from the refs they lined up and got their ass beat for 60 minutes they got beat up and down the field giving up 63 points to South Carolina drops them I didn't watch the rankings so I don't know where they fell but it's obviously behind Alabama Alabama moves to seven and now Lester you've got some scenarios where it's not impossible. We've seen this happen before. And Michigan and LSU are the two likely candidates to lose. Now, granted, if Michigan plays Ohio State close, they probably won't fall any further than five, you would think. So 
it actually it goes it really comes down to TCU and USC because we all can assume that LSU gets beat by Georgia in the SEC championship game that puts them with three losses they're out Alabama jumps in front of them so in reality you can kind of look at Alabama as the number six team right now and so you're looking at two teams that need to go down you're looking at TCU and you're looking at USC. USC's got to play ranked Notre Dame this weekend. And then you've got to turn around. You've got to play either Washington or Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. Now, TCU's got to play Iowa State at home this week. And then either Kansas State or Texas. And the and they've actually beaten both of those teams. Uh, beat Kansas State by 10. Beat Texas by 7. And so you've got to beat a team for a second time. That's not an easy task. So, Lester... How how are your feelings about this college football playoff? And, guys, we just saw – you saw Michigan squeak it out against Illinois and TCU squeak it out against Baylor. And, you know, those games really didn't mean much to Alabama fans at the time because we were talking about – we were like, man, that's funny. You know, it been funny if they'd have lost. But then when Tennessee – because Tennessee was the favorite to creep back into that number four spot and have a rematch with Georgia, number four against number one in the first round of the playoffs. That's what we had all figured would happen. That's why we didn't pay too much attention to the TCU and Michigan games early in the day on Saturday. But, Lester, after that Tennessee ass beating, you really look back and you're like, damn, if we'd have just had TCU go down, then you're just counting on USC to drop a game. How how, how did your feelings change from Friday night at about maybe, say, 11 o'clock at night and then the next 24 hours into Saturday, 11 o'clock at night, about Alabama's playoff chances. How realistic do you think this is? My feelings didn't change at all, really. I mean, once they dropped it to LSU, I felt like, you know, they're just out of it. I've never felt like this was uh, – well, after the first couple of weeks, I, I began to feel like this team wasn't a national championship team anyway. But, like you said, anything can happen. We've seen it before. I remember where I was this – Distinctly, when Iowa State, um, who they upset all those years ago, we were standing on the strip in front of one of our favorite favorite establishments, Fourth and Twenty Third, and we heard from down. We were downtown, and from downtown, we heard the strip erupt. If you've ever, I mean, what a mile away, Uh we heard it. And um, yeah, what would it? Well, how could that be to rely on old friends? Iowa State, and those I said friends, I'm going to go plural here. Imagine if Bo Nix helped send Alabama to the playoff. Could you imagine if Bo, old friend Bo Nix, if, if he helped send Alabama to the playoff by defeating USC? Man, that, that, I mean, I still wouldn't have very much faith in Alabama, but you know, you can never put anything past Nick Saban with a month to prepare. That's what a lot of people. Probably not thinking about if if you make the playoff, you have a month to prepare for two games, and I wouldn't put anything past Saban if he has a month. So, um, yeah, man, I I don't know. It's it's I'm trying not to get optimistic about it, but it seems very very likely that those scenarios can easily happen. I mean, magic happens in Iowa State, and uh, Oregon's been damn good this year under the Bo Nix. Gage, I'm looking for this score right now because I wanted to ask you a question because I, if that does happen in TCU and you, and I know we're playing a lot of hypotheticals here, but I mean, hell, it's like hypothetical season right now. I mean, these last two or three weeks of, of, of the college football season, whenever you've got a playoff that's not set in stone, you, you know, it's, it's hypothetical season. So I'm giving you these hypotheticals and say TCU and USC do lose and Michigan – Let's say they do play – let's say they lose 35-24. to 24. It's not just a straight ass beating by Ohio State, but it's enough to keep Michigan there at five, and then once TCU loses, they go to four, whatever, or three. Um, What threat do you think is Clemson to Alabama? Because I think that's one that not everybody's talking about. You've got Clemson sitting there at 10-1. and one. Right now, they got to play South Carolina, who's, you know, seven and four. They're not a bad squad, um, but they're at home. So they beat South Carolina and then they play a top 20 team in North Carolina in the ACC championship game. 
And this is a team that not a lot of people are talking about. So you've got Clemson sitting there at 12 and one ACC champs. And you've got Alabama at 10 and two, didn't even win their own division. If you're on the committee, how do you look at these two teams? Does, does the two Alabama losses by four combined points outweigh the single loss that Clemson has to Notre Dame on the road? But because the thing is, they lost by t- by three touchdowns. They were non-competitive in that game. So if you're on the committee trying to look at it just from a non-biased point of view, which one which one do you take in that situation? There, you've got say you're say they're fighting for the last spot, and Alabama's ten and two. Didn't even win their own division, much like 2017. And then you've got 12 and 1 Clemson sitting there, ACC champs, but their only loss was an ass whooping. I'll have a better answer for that um, after this Notre Dame USC game on Saturday. You know, if, if Notre Dame goes in there and, and beats the Trojans, then I think you have to give Clemson a little bit more respect from losing to a team like Notre Dame who's going to potentially beat USC, um, who's got a lot of um, excitement around them right now for a possibility of making the playoffs. So um, I'll be honest, I haven't really got to watch Clemson a lot this year. So I haven't really got to break them down and see them on a standpoint, you know, just besides highlights on Saturday nights and seeing stuff on Twitter. But um, I, I, the committee, I feel like the committee goes back and forth. You know, sometimes like you hear people say it's about quality wins and strength of schedule. And then you hear other people talk about how, the committee's job is to put the best four teams in the country on the stage and let them go play it out and see who can win. Um, I mean, it's, it's so wishy-washy. Uh, you know, I hope it, I hope it comes down to that scenario where we're talking about Bama and Clemson fighting for that last spot. Um, I mean, I, I, I think there's a lot of fatigue, you know, I don't think a lot of people want to see Alabama make the playoffs. Um, I, and honestly, I, I I'm kind of with Lester. He talked about, it's not a, a championship team, but, um, I mean, we've seen crazier things happen. I just I, – I have a hard time believing that the committee would want to put in a 10-2 and two Bama um, over a, a Clemson that's going to win their conference if, if with one loss to a Notre Dame team who, again, it, uh, uh, my answer can flip-flop so easily after what happens this weekend against USC. So um, I, I personally think they're going to have a really hard time Putting Bama in over Clemson if Clemson wins the conference, you know they got a they're going to play a hot South Carolina team, but um, that's not to say South Carolina is a better team by any means. I mean, I think Clemson can go in there, or can host them and beat them by, I mean, at least two touchdowns. But we've seen, like I said, we've seen crazier things happen. And um, but right, I, I guess a better question is, you know, they've got Bama ahead of Clemson right now the for the rankings in the College Football Playoff. So obviously they're seeing something. That's keeping Clemson from making that jump to uh, ahead of Alabama. So I, I really don't know, man. I guess we'll just wait and see how the rest of it plays out. But I, I do not see um, them putting in a Bama above Clemson. But I'm kind of hoping I'm jinxing it and can prove myself wrong here in a few weeks. Yeah. And of course, you know, if Clemson gets beat by North Carolina, which is possible, I mean, North Carolina just got beat by Georgia Tech at home, which is pathetic. But I think a, a reason that uh, that Clemson fell behind Alabama is just their their lack of their lack of good wins. Like you just said, I mean, their your best wins right now are a double overtime win against Wake Forest on the road, and then a uh, you know I guess Kent or NC State at home and Syracuse. And then, you know, Alabama goes on the road and beats Texas. You go on the road to beat Ole Miss. And so, I just – I don't know. I, I I keep going back to – and I know the committee has changed a lot since then. But 2017, the reason Alabama got in that year, uh, Ohio State went off and won the Big the Big Ten and all that at 12-1. and one. But, remember, Purdue, Rondell Moore, that they, they beat their ass like 42-20. to 20. They got their shit rocked on the road, and that's the sole reason that they were kept out that year. Now, I know Alabama did not have two losses, so it's a little bit different. Um, But I think Auburn or Alabama has a good chance to, if they make a statement against Auburn, I think that's going to help them out because, you know, y'all both said the words, this isn't a championship team. I think the same. I, I don't think this team can win a natty, but, hell, you get in the playoff, anything can happen. Lester said – you give Saban a month to prepare, 
that's going to be hell, you know, whether it's Georgia, whether it's Ohio State, whoever the matchup is. And um, so I think you have to take care of Auburn in a 42 to 20 fashion. I don't think you I don't think you can win this game 31 to 24 and have the committee because I think that's that's going to hurt Alabama is the fact that they haven't been beating people to sleep like they have in the past. You know, Mississippi State, um, you, ha- you had a chance to, and you couldn't really put them away. I know they didn't score to the last play of the game, but that win wasn't overly impressive. Uh, you know, you let A&M have a chance to beat you on the last play of the game. You had a, a late field goal to win against Texas and, um, you know, a late stop against Ole Miss to win that game as well. You played five one-possession games, and you've, you've, you've won three of them. So – I think that's not going to help them by any standards. You know, maybe if they go off and, and they're they're beating people's ass like they like they have in the past, and they have a slip up or two. You know, I can see that a lot more um, with the committee favoring them in that situation. But you just never know how they're gonna how they're gonna view that. How do you? What do you think about kind of saying the same thing about Michigan? You know, I don't really see a lot of quality wins on their schedule either. No, I mean, they handled no. they handled Penn State pretty handedly at home, but. Other than that, I mean, I, I don't see anything super impressive of them, you know, going on the road and beating a a top twenty five or even a top ten, top five team like everybody else has been expected to do. I mean, I I, I think they're pretty similar with uh, Clemson, and so I mean, if if Ohio State goes in there and handles business against Michigan, I mean, you're going to make the same argument for them. Like, who have they who have they played and shown that they deserve to be in the playoff this year? Their argument that you can that you can put, and, and there's just. There's, there's so many things to look at here. There's so many things that can happen with these last two weeks uh, as far as the, the last game of the regular season and uh, and the conference championships. Because, yeah, if Michigan goes in there, they played a weak-ass schedule. If Corum is healthy, because I think if he doesn't play or if he's not 100%, you know, that's an excuse they can use with the committee. Be, oh, if he'd have had this. Like, no, I mean, I don't think he's that much of a game-breaker. But it's always a route that the committee could take in order to help Michigan out. But if he's good to go and he plays the whole game and Ohio State wins that game 42 to 17, 42 to 20, and it's three touchdowns or more, then I think the committee has to look at that as, you know, well, Michigan's fed off of a weak schedule all year. Then they finally play a top five team and they get their ass handed to them. They don't deserve to be anywhere near the top four. I think that's another scenario. There, there's so many things that can happen. And, uh, and yeah, we've seen more happen before than has happened this year. It's very, very likely for Alabama to end up in that third or fourth spot, which is just crazy to think about. But um, moving into this week, um, you, you got the Iron Bowl game. Lester J-Law famously says every year under Nick Saban, this is a, a non-win situation for Alabama. As much as – Everybody loves this rivalry and all that stuff. Once you break this game down, it's it's a non-win situation. If Bama goes off and wins, then, oh, you just beat lowly Auburn. You know, we fired our coach. Or we got an interim or whatever. We don't have a quarterback. We've got bad players. Gus didn't recruit us an offensive line. I love that excuse. It's my favorite one. But, you know, if Bama hauls off and loses this game like they almost did a year ago, then it's just the end of the world. And they act like they won their natty, which they do. So – just it seems like every year the excitement level decreases with the Iron Bowl, which is crazy to think about because it's the top two or three rivalry in college football. But for Alabama fans on this side of it, it's really a game that we hate to play. Yeah, it's – J-Lo's 100% right. I mean, it's it's almost like a – um. Of course, Alabama fans would want to play the Iron Bowl, but if it wasn't such a big rivalry, Auburn's like one of those teams that's like, if they weren't our rival, who would they be the equivalent to? Like Ole Miss or Miss State, you know what I mean? I say Arkansas is a good comp. Arkansas, yeah. Like if they weren't our rival, like who, like it would, there's like no significance in the game, you know? And Jello's absolutely right. I mean, there's. I, there's it's, it's it's really a no-win situation, and it doesn't help that I think the general consensus around the fan base is that we don't have very much faith 
in this team. And thank God the game's been played in Brian Denny, but it's going to rain. And like I told you earlier, Auburn's going to drag us in the mud and make us roll around and play in it. That's what they're going to try to do. So it really is just a no-win situation. It's one of those games you just hope to come out with a W with. Of course, you would love to beat their ass. But I have no faith that this team has that dog mentality to go out and see a wounded dog and go out and kill it. They just don't have it. So I, I don't know. I, I believe Alabama wins, but it's going to be a struggle game. It, re it really is. It's going to be a struggle win, I feel like. Um, with the rain, Bill O'Brien, his ineptitude and all that stuff, all of it is coming together to make like a, a shit soup. And uh, I don't know, we're going to have to eat it, but hopefully we come out with a dub, man. Yeah, it's, it is what it is by this point. You know, we, we've beat that horse every single week and uh, he's not coming back to life. It's, it's dead. So we're not going to try to harp on it too much, but yeah, it is what it is. By week 11, you know, J-Law said that maybe he said to us early, maybe Saban get this team's mindset right. And, you know, if they get into the playoff tournament, we're like, dude, by now, that should have happened after Texas, after the Texas game, whenever all the excuses started flying about it being hot and stuff like that. But it, it they are what they are by this point. Gage, Auburn's – Auburn's dumbed down off, and I and I don't say that because of Cadillac. Uh, Auburn's dumbed down offense with their crappy players is more creative than Bill O'Brien's. Cadillac sitting there, he has absolutely zero players. He has a quarterback that can't throw, and so I'm just going to line up. I'm going to run inside power, I'm run outside zone, I'm run I formation power, I formation toss, speed sweep by the shotgun, speed sweep under center. Quarterback reads, quarterback sweeps, bootlegs. The the game plans he's him and Will Friend have come up with have been genius the last three games. And so, you know, is this something that can that you think could cause a problem for Alabama, or do you think Alabama finally nuts up and says, "Look, I'm running one high, one high safety. I'm putting the other one as a spy on Ashford, whether it's Battle or Helms, doesn't matter. Probably Helms because he's your better tackler." Um. And I'm gonna make you. I'm gonna make you beat me throwing the football because Miss State couldn't do that, Texas A&M couldn't do that, and Western Kentucky couldn't do that. You know, they just they just kept pounding and kept pounding. And I mean, if they had a negative two yard play on first down, they'd line up on second and twelve, second and thirteen, and run the damn thing again, just doing something different. You know, it's been very creative in their run scheme. Is this something that you think gives Alabama fits? I mean, I think they do a good job of getting the ball to one of their two athletes on the field. You know, it's either going to be Tank or Ashford carrying the ball almost every play. They don't really have anybody else that can make anything happen. Um, we talked about this a couple of days ago. I said, you know, I mean, just put eight in the box and dare them to throw it. I mean, put eight in the box and say, you know what, we know you can't throw the ball. With product, with product, ugh, sorry, with productivity, um, just make them try to get the ball in the air, especially if we're going to have crappy weather. But you know, Pete, Pete's going to do what he always does. You know, he's going to try to say, you know what, we're just going to play how I want to play, and hopefully it works. Compared to adjusting, you know, what I mean, if if it were up to me, we'd have we'd run a five three, have our two corners on the outside have the one one safety deep and then just put somebody like I like exactly like you said put somebody on Robbie and say you know what we dare you to throw it but then we know what's going to happen they're going to spread everybody out and put twins on each side and just to kind of spread us out and they're going to run that read they're either going to hand it off the tank or he's going to pull it and try to get around the edge and I mean, I mean we can all see it coming we've seen it from any game we've watched from Auburn under Cadillac um if it's up to him he's going to try to run the ball 60 70 times a game between those two but um, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I hope we can. You know, it should be a simple game plan of just shutting down Tank and and containing Robbie to force him to throw. You know, no no penalties. We don't need these nasty face masks that are killing us on third downs like we saw against Ole Miss. And if they get the ball up in the air, we don't need PIs to extend drives. I mean, if we don't help them and we just say, you know what, we've got better athletes, um, we don't have – I mean, in my opinion, our coordinator is not some 
light years ahead of anybody they have. But, you know, if we just if we just can just play clean ball, if we can avoid the penalties and if we can avoid missed tackles, I mean, I think we can handle business from the defensive side of the ball. Hey, check this out, too. Look here. This is Cadillac's last game as Auburn's coach. Maybe. He, maybe. What, unless yeah, maybe. they beat Bama. I mean, unless they beat Bama, yeah. <laughs> what do they have to lose? Look, I agree with everything you guys are saying, but add in there that I could see them running every trick play in the book. Reverses. Halfback, that stupid halfback pass that Cadillac ran against um, – I think it was against Bama. Whenever it was Western he, Kentucky, they they ran it last week. Why would you show that? Right. Yeah, yeah. Why would you show it just to get it on film? They may do a damn triple pass out of it. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But Auburn's going to do one or two things: get some cheap ass score off of some BS like that. Yeah, and talking about this this Lane Kiffin situation, Lester. Stay right here. If Kiffin falls through, which we're going to break down Kiffin here in a minute because there's a lot of stuff that's been going on the last couple of days that's pretty humorous from both sides, from Auburn and Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin himself. Um, If he falls through and Cadillac, let's say he loses 31-24, like I said earlier, does that warrant him a look? Now, nah, man, like he, he's going to have booster support. He's going to have fan support. I, I know he can't speak English, but the guy obviously knows how to get these two stars to play their asses off. And so maybe he can help recruiting a little bit. I, I have, I'm never, you know, he went out and got tank, but like Jarquez Hunter and Demari Austin weren't highly rated at all. I mean, he did land tank, but that's about all he's done in his three years there. So do you think if he keeps this game close, and he finishes two and two, which, but Harson won three games all season before he got fired, so he won two thirds of what Harson did in just four game or uh, in just four games. Do you think this warrants him a look from the Auburn? Absolutely, basketball? absolutely, it warrants him a look. I mean, why wouldn't it? You have a legacy, a legendary player coming back and leading his teams valiantly on the plains. After a disastrous season, after a disastrous head coach, look, fans are all behind them. I mean, look, Auburn fans, listen to me clearly and closely. The day the season ends, if you guys don't announce a head coach within 48 hours, it's trouble. I promise you. Because as long as the boosters have been working behind Gus's back, behind Harson's back, you would think after all that time they would have their guy. Okay, that's our guy. We've met, you know, unofficially with his representation, yada, yada, yada. They've been working on a new head coach for months. If that guy isn't hired within 48 hours after the season ending, it's trouble and it has a high potential to be another shit show. Um, I don't think Lane's coming. I think he's hilarious, he's a troll. But I don't think I don't uh, I don't see Lane coming. If he does come, go ahead, give him hundred million dollars over ten years. And he'll be gone by year five. And y'all are sick of him tweeting on Twitter the week of the biggest game of the year. <laughs> so I mean, by all means, go for it. But listen to me clearly. If that coach ain't hired within oh what forty eight hours after the season end, it's trouble. It's trouble because the boosters, the administrators, you have your AD now. He's been there a couple of weeks. Your new head coach should be in motion already. And if he hasn't, Auburn's behind already. Yeah, especially with this early sign early signing period. Bingo. And, uh, I think the portal opens on December 5th, and then the signing period is December 20th. And yes. I don't know if that goes for portal guys or not. I'm not sure. I would think not because, I mean, you can decide to – transfer anytime you want to but that's that's the date where you can contact the guys that are in the portal already so you'll see after uh after the iron bowl for alabama you know you'll see a lot of guys enter the portal you see that for for all the teams that really aren't playing in conference championships around around the conference and around the country but i've had bama guys ask me about kiffin i've had auburn guys ask me about kiffin like you know i'm in the uh i'm in the auburn facility every day and I'm in there in all their coaches meetings and they're in their booster meetings and their AD meetings. And the, the really the only thing that I keep coming back to, to me, 
if if Lane Kiffin is thinking short term, by short term I mean seven to ten years, then I think he takes the Auburn job. I think it would make sense for him because it's not head over heels better. Auburn is a better job than Ole Miss. I know that argument's been going around. Gage, I'll let you share some of your stuff. I know you 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 asked me if I had seen it, and I hadn't seen the Al- the Albs and the Rebs going back and forth on Twitter about whose program is better. I think the program actually is better right now at Ole Miss, but I've said that before. I think they're two to three years ahead of where Auburn is right now. And um, But as far as, you know, stadium, Auburn's stadium still a dump, but it is big. It does get loud for the big games. And uh, they do have the new football facility, even though there's toilet paper hanging from the ceiling in their lounge room. But I, if if Kiffin is thinking short term, seven to ten years, you take the Auburn job. But if Kiffin is thinking long term, fifteen to twenty years down the road, somewhere to retire. Because I mean, look, Auburn's—they've had what one coach retire there? Was it Shig Jordan? Because Pat Dye, like he had to—he resigned because he was doing some cheating. And uh, and so I think Shug Jordan might be the only coach that's ever retired at Auburn. Everybody else has either resigned or been fired. So traditionally, historically, it's not the place where you go to retire. It's not the place where you make a, a lifelong career decision to go there. You see what I'm saying? And so if Kiffin is thinking that I'm a top five, six coach in America, I deserve a top five or six job, then he stays at Ole Miss – and he holds out for Alabama, um, you know, Texas, that they have another year, even though Sark is doing a great job on the recruiting trail. If he has another year of seven and five, eight and four, they're going to get very frustrated with him because they're trying to get their shit right before they come to the SEC. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, they're fed up with him over there. And with all that oil money, they might pay an $80 million buyout. Who knows? Um, Brent Venables, that team, if he has another two or three years where he can't get any better, he can't find a 10-11 win season, they might let him go. Those four right there, then, of course, you know, Alabama with Nick Saban and his age, nobody really knows he could retire this year, he could retire in five, six years or whatever. But those four jobs are amongst the top six or seven jobs in the country. So if Kiffin is thinking that he's that type of coach and I want to stay at Ole Miss and I want to win nine, ten games a year and be the best coach that's ever coached at Ole Miss, because I think he is already, and there's, there's very little pressure at Ole Miss. They're, they don't fire you for a 10-win season. They don't fire you for a 9-win season. And if you slip up and win eight games, you know, they're, they're not going to kill you over there. It's very low pressure. But if he thinks he's a top six or seven coach, then I think he stays at Ole Miss and holds out. So I think these next two weeks or this next week, I guess, um, it's going to determine, you know, what, what Kiffin is, is thinking – you know, as far as his career goes, Gage, what's your what's your gist on this Lane Kiffin situation? Because you had the thing that came out and said that Kiffin Dalvin was a done deal. Kiffin replied to it himself, saying that your sources were bad. There's a rumor that he spoke to the Ole Miss football team today and said that he's staying. There's screenshots of a Snapchat from a player. You don't know how much of that is photoshopped. No, I don't really think anybody knows what's going on. What's your gist of this Auburn or Kiffin to Auburn situation? You know, at first I thought he was going to consider the Auburn job to kind of use it as a a potential way to increase his pay at Ole Miss. You know, say, hey, Auburn's willing to pay me this per year. Um, I want y'all to match that. Not necessarily even for a a ten year contract, but. Um, I read something, I'm not really sure how much truth there is to it about, we talked about this, about how state of Mississippi with state employees only having contracts for four years at a time. Um, I couldn't really find anything that confirmed that works for, you know, like the, obviously it's a state university, but um, I couldn't really find anything definitive on that. But um, I really thought at first it was just going to be him as I'm trying to see how much money he could possibly get. I thought it'd be a money grab. You know, $115 million is what everybody's kind of throwing around for 10 or 11 years at 115. Um, I wonder how much of that would be guaranteed. Um, I've got an Auburn buddy of mine who we were with at Halloween, and uh, he mentioned, he said, you know, you and I should go into coaching. He said, we just need to get good enough to get hired at Auburn, and then they will pay us millions of dollars to leave. 
He said it's the perfect, it's a perfect job. Um, but I mean, Kiffin, man, I think he's having way too much fun with this. Um, one of these universities is going to be really pissed off with him in a couple of weeks. Um, if he's been trolling Auburn this entire time and really does plan on staying at Ole Miss, Auburn is going to have this whole new hate for Ole Miss, and that game's going to mean much more than it ever has. Um, if he leaves Ole Miss and just, you know, someone talked about it. Uh, there was a – I can't remember who it was, but there was another coach across the country that apparently had his name thrown in a hat at some point for the Auburn job, and he he the day one of his name being around, he went in there and said, you know, I plan on being at this university until they don't want me anymore. Um, but you don't you don't get that from Kiffin. I mean, he's he's like a teenager on Twitter. He loves the drama. He loves being the center of the attention of the world right now. Um, and I'll be honest, I've enjoyed the beef watching them go back and forth because it's just taken my mind off of the cluster at Alabama. Um, I mean, like you, like you said, we've seen it all over about they're comparing which one's a better job, which one's a better school program, all of this good stuff. Um, I just, I've enjoyed it, man. It's just been fun to watch these two schools go back and forth. And one guy on Twitter said, you know, like what makes Auburn a better job than Ole Miss? And like half of the replies are just say, um, <laughs> one of them just says the standard and winning tradition, um, the success as a football program. Um, I mean, it's just that one of them put that Ole Miss has never won an SEC championship and, and Auburn, one of the Auburn guys put that, um, it's, they have the ability to win championships at Auburn. And I'm thinking where, I mean, you, <laughs> you, you played for one in 2013. You got to – you made it to that game because you had probably the most talked about play in the history of college football with, you know, kick six. Um, my wife, the girlfriend at the time, my wife now and I were at that game. Um, but, you know, you're, if, <laughs> if, you, if you don't return that kick and you lose to overtime, you're not going to the championship game. 2010 – uh, I mean, that's just lightning in a freaking bottle with Cam. I mean, you can't really tell me that Gene Chizik was a championship caliber football coach and expect anybody to believe that. So that's – and that's the thing is, you know, they they expect to contend and compete at the same level as their rival that we talk about with – like we talked about earlier, them being the rival of Alabama. Um it's just it's just not possible there right now. I'm not saying it's impossible at any given time, but and I think Lane Kiffin's probably the best opportunity to get them there. But to talk about how Auburn is so much better of a of, of a program, um, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's a tough job regardless. Yeah, you've got more NIL money at Auburn, um, the the brand new facility. Um, it's just. But you're right there in between Alabama and Georgia as far as recruiting goes. Um, I think Auburn, honestly, I think Auburn plays a little bit tougher of a schedule than Ole Miss does strictly because they have to play Georgia every year, um, which can help or hurt. You know, I mean, if you if you look at it from that standpoint, it can help you or hurt you to have that strength of schedule. You know, if you accidentally drop a game and, and go on and actually beat Bama or, or Georgia, but uh, I mean, I, I, I don't think he's leaving. I don't think he's the answer. I think it's just going to be just like it was a couple years ago when they don't know who to hire. They're calling anybody and everybody that could potentially want the job. Um, I, I don't think Lane is leaving. Uh, I think he'll stay at Ole Miss and kind of keep going with what he has. Uh, I mean, he won 10 games last year, uh, but kind of a, kind of a step back last week against Arkansas. Everybody was kind of wondering if this all this attention on Twitter got to his head, and then, you know, they made a good run at the end but still came up short. But I, I, I personally don't think he's leaving. I don't think he wants to go to Auburn. Um, I think he enjoys the idea of being wanted at Auburn, but Auburn board, the Auburn board and the boosters and everything are not going to like him being on Twitter like he is. Um, they're not going to like his his lifestyle. They're not going to like that he's not an Auburn man. Um, he's he's not going to be um, easily controlled like they want somebody to be. Um, he's not just going to do everything they ask. I mean, I remember seeing something about Harson. One of the first things that they found about Harson, and one of the reasons that they 
talked about wanting to get rid of him so fast is he didn't show up for like a charity event or something for Bo Jackson. And they were like, uh, uh-uh, yeah. this guy's gone. That I mean, we tournament. can't have that. <laughs> Auburn family's got to be everywhere at every time. Um, and he, he's, he's going to be like, you know what? I've got better things to do. I'm going to get in the transfer portal and actually try to win football games. I could care less about going to watch Bo Jackson ride a bicycle around Birmingham. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to win football games. So I don't think he's going. I think that you, you expect what you pay for, right? Not necessarily get what you pay for, but, you know, I think Harson signed a deal that was just a little over $4 million. And I know he's coming from group of five, but there wasn't a, a ton of faith there in, in that contract. And the way I look at it, Lester, tell me if you agree with this. If you're going to go out and you're going to make Kiffin, because if you get him $12 million, that'd be the highest paid coach in America. So if you're going to pay him more money than anybody, don't you expect him to win more games than anybody? And I don't think Auburn's the place that he can do that right now. Um, and, and who knows? Um, somebody that Saban's had beef with in the past, if he goes to a rival school, that it might rejuvenate that old man. He might coach another seven, eight years. You never know. And so for the foreseeable, foreseeable future, at least, Nick Saban, let's say he has – Four years left. Let's say he's done at 75. So four years. Kirby is just starting a new dynasty that might end up being better than Saban's. It's yet to be seen, but looking pretty damn good in Athens right now. So as an Auburn fan, are you are you willing to give him to year five or six for him to start, you know, going eleven and one, maybe twelve and zero? How much leash do they give him? Because you can call yourself the transfer portal king. Like I said, there's not 20 SEC West ready players that are just chomping at the bit to play for Lane Kiffin. If that's the case, then he would have gotten more than Jackson Dart and Zach Evans. And those are okay players, but he didn't go out and get Jameer Gibbs. He didn't get Jamison Williams. He's not getting these top five or six transfers, you know, Caleb Williams to USC. He's not getting these type guys. And just because he goes to Auburn, that doesn't mean that, you know, Auburn's not a dream school for a lot of these kids. And if and if you're a transfer from, uh, say, Jameer Gibbs, like, like Georgia Tech, if you're sitting there in Atlanta and Georgia wants me, Alabama wants me, and Lane Kiffin wants me at Auburn, I'm not going to Auburn. You, you get what I'm saying? And, and so oh. – if you if you're gonna pay him more than anybody else, don't you expect to win more than anybody else? And that's not gonna happen there. So how long is his leash if he does make that jump? Um, his leash will be three years. What Saban got to Batman 07, 09, he played in and won a national championship. When did Kirby get to Georgia? And how long did it take him to get a national championship? If you're gonna play, oh, if yeah. you're gonna, you know that. I mean, I'm saying that's where the baseline is. That's where the standard is. Kirby and Nick. You want to be those two guys, and those two guys got their respective organizations, you know, to a national championship in two, three years. You know what I mean? So if Kiffin isn't doing the same thing, if you're paying him that much money, like you said, like you said, he's gonna be held to the same standard, and I don't. I mean, everyone at Auburn thinks they have a loaded roster. They don't think they have a loaded roster. Yada. You know, you never know. Depends on how good they they're thinking about being. Whatever. But you know, according to them, it's not a bare bones roster. According to them, there's some talent there. According to them, they're just a couple pieces away. And if you're gonna pay that guy twelve million dollars a year, he should be able to recruit, develop, use NIL, and pull guys out the portal to fill in those gaps. Right. That's what I'm assuming that's 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 how the math is adding up in my head. So Kiffin would have no more than three years before they're going to expect Auburn to be holy cow competing for a natty. And think about it, yeah, three years to get to a natty, but year two has to be a massive jump. You're talking about what ten wins year two minimum? Because the thing is, if they're not seeing that improvement that quickly. After paying him that much money, oh, rumors going to start flying. Booster's going to start working the back deals. They're going to start looking at next up and coming coach. Who's the next guy we can get in here in case this lane deal does not come out? Go ahead and start putting your money in the collection plate so we can start raising up money for this doggone buyout. Like it's going to start 
that quickly. They're going to be expecting that year three, but if year two don't go well, the same ball, that same circle starts rolling again for Auburn. Yeah, and, and I think that he can make a jump, but I don't think he's going from five and seven to ten and two in two years. I just don't see it. Um, it's just that offensive line's in shambles, and as bad as they are, they're losing like three seniors. It ain't like they get there starting a bunch of true freshmen. I mean, they're recruiting his shit for two years in a row. Harson really set him back, and there's just so much work to do with a a impatient with an impatient fan base, I guess you can say. And that's because you know, and this is from a program, boys, that has never had back to back ten win seasons ever, and they in their entire history, not one time. Has Auburn ever had back-to-back nine or ten win seasons? What's Alabama done it like fourteen years in a row, thirteen years in a row? I mean, Auburn's never done it, and so that's the type program that's putting themselves on a pedestal with Alabama and Georgia, and they just can't get it through their heads that you know Lane Kiffin. It's a good coach, and we don't want him to go there. That's the one that I don't want to go. Because I like him so much since he left Bama. I've gotten over the 2016 National Championship when he screwed us. But I enjoy following him on Twitter. I enjoy his stuff like that. Now, I don't want him to be my coach doing all that stuff. But I enjoy it from a distance. And so I don't want to have to hate this guy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's he's funny. He's enjoyable. So we'll see how it plays out. But I'm, I'm if, if, he, if he's thinking short-term, he goes – because another thing – if this guy goes to Auburn and signs a $120 million contract and $80 is guaranteed, he's stuck there. Uh, you, you don't leave. Nobody's going to buy that out for him to go coach at another school, not even somebody like Texas A&M or Alabama. Alabama's not going to pay $50 million to buy Kiffin out in three, four years and then pay him another $13, $14 million a year or whatever it is. That's just not realistic. And so if he's unhappy there, if, if the fans don't like him, if he's not as successful as they thought he would be, which is 11 and 1, 12 and 0 every year, then they're, they're going to be in a world of hurt. So we'll see how he's thinking. And I would think that we would know within a week, uh, you know, on, on what's going to happen there. But, um, guys, you know, it's Iron Bowl week. It's, it's Lester said it's going to be rainy, it's going to be nasty. Auburn's. Ground game is probably better than Alabama's, which is crazy to say. Um, Auburn's game planning and play calling is better than Alabama's. Uh, Gage, what do you think offensively they would get from Alabama, considering that, that they play in the rain? What kind of offense? Do you think it's just the same old thing, or do you think Bill O'Brien's like, hey, look, it's the last game of the season, let's let it eat? I mean, do you think there's any chance for any changes or tweaks, not changes, any tweaks to be made to Alabama's pitiful offense that we've seen for 11 straight weeks. I'm hoping there's a change, maybe because he can look at it from a standpoint as, you know, if, if we really stick it to Auburn, um, whether Bama gets in the playoff or not, I need to look good because this is more than likely my last year as the offensive coordinator at Alabama, and I need to kind of, you know, go out with a bang to impress people that may want to hire me. Um, I'm hoping, you know, Maybe we'll go back and watch some film of some other Alabama teams. And like, I mean, earlier I I sat, I was at work and someone sent it to me and I, I just sat down on the ground and watched the video of the game against Auburn where two has scored six touchdowns that game. And I mean, I was just like, man, I would kill just, I mean, just the, the completely different aspect of offense, you know, like the first, the first drive that Bama scores in that game, we get down there inside the 10, and it's a quarterback draw with the most fragile quarterback in college football. And he goes in there and lowers his shoulder and gets in the end zone. Next time Alabama scores, you know, he throws – he catches the ball, turns to his left, and slings it to uh, Ruggs, and Ruggs gets in from, like, the five-yard line again. And there's just nothing – there's nothing like that. I mean, it's just – it's the same play calls over and over and over again. Um, I just – I hope that – you know, whether it be the rumors of Bama potentially making the playoff or or BOB thinking that he's got to impress people to possibly get another job. I'm kind of, I'm 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 holding out hope that we'll see a different um intensity on the offensive side of the ball this weekend, but I'm also gonna limit my expectations. 
Uh, but I've got high hopes. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of buying into it this week. I think we're going to see some good numbers. I've got low hopes. I wish I had your confidence, but I do not. Uh, I hate it. Uh, Lester, what's your prediction? And give me a score prediction for this game. Your prediction of how the offense is going to look and then follow it up with a score prediction for this week's Iron Bowl between Alabama and Auburn. Yeah, is is Gibbs out? Is that is he still going to be out? What's the deal? I mean, mentally, I think he's out. I think Bryce is out. Yeah, uh, all the receivers are out. Bill O'Brien's out. Pete Golding's out. You me keep going. I'm. I'm I think mentally. I mean, in, in everybody. And make Gage has a good point. Maybe the Tennessee loss wakes some of these guys up, and they see TCU having to squeak by Baylor. They see Michigan having to squeak by Illinois, and they're like, "Look, this is very likely to happen. This is possible." that we sneak in there. And so this is your last chance for any kind of style points. So that's the only slimmer of hope I have is that right. the players, not necessarily right. the coaches, but the players realize, hey, we got to step up and beat some dogs because this is the last chance we got to go out and beat somebody's ass and put on a show for the committee because they're going to need it. You know, if it comes down to Alabama-Clemson, they might need a 45-17 win in a rivalry game. I think that says a lot. Yeah, I'm – yeah. Okay. Auburn has so much momentum coming on their side, but I think that to a degree, your talent level kind of dictates how much damage you can actually do. And I don't think Auburn's talent level is that great. But on the other side, Bama has a terrible scheme, and the players are frequently not put in positions where they can thrive and win. So that put together is like, yeah, I'm I'm I once again, I think it's going to be a slow game. It's not going to be explosive, the rain's going to hurt. Um Auburn's going to be able to run the ball and move the ball on us. I I I do believe. And now you have Kyrie Jackson who's suspended, um which I guess doesn't matter anyway because Ashford isn't great at throwing the ball, but I I'm going to say a 27-20 or no, 27-17. That's the kind of game I'm going to call for. And that's that's a stretch for 27, to be honest with you. I like the 17. Uh, I will give them – well, I don't know. I just – I don't Trick see, plays, I, think I, about I, it. Well, yeah, I don't see when the field shrinks. I just don't see them lining up. Because I, I think Golden's – I think Tennessee's really got them spooked to give up the big play. Because you've seen a lot of teams move the ball in between the 20s on us and then the, de- the defense tighten up in the red zone since then. Right. And uh, and so I just – I'm thinking maybe – I'm going to give them 17 or 20. I'll give them that. Uh, I think offensively mm, – I know with the rain it's going to be a little bit more difficult. I don't know Gibbs' situation. Uh, I know Jace has been – looking better. Uh, I don't know Bryce's shoulder situation, all that stuff. I'm going to go uh, still not covering the spread. I'm going 34-17. I'll take that. I just I don't I don't see Alabama getting to the 40s again. You know, it's been a trend for us lately. But uh I mean, you score 34 against Austin P, what are you going to score on Auburn? And I think they're going to have this approach on defense where you're I'm pinning my ears back and I'm going man to man. And I'm trusting that your receivers aren't good enough to beat one-on-one coverages. And so I think they're going to really test us on the outside with our, with our receivers. I think, you know, JoJo, Corey, um, Prentice, Law, whoever, whoever's in there is really going to get tested in their, in their one-on-one skills. And, uh, and we'll see how Bryce reacts to it. But, uh, yeah, I think Auburn brings hella gas. And it's kind of like an all-or-nothing game for them. And y'all said that. And so on defense, I think we're either going to score a lot of points or we're going to score none. I think it's going to be – you know, just like they did last year, they're going to come with that same defensive scheme. The problem is they don't have 88,000 fans behind them. You know, they're on the road. They haven't played in Bryant-Denny in front of a full crowd since 2018. That's pretty crazy to think about. And so hopefully the fans show up and they're, and they're loud uh, just because it's the rivalry game. I'm going to go 34-17. Gage, tell me what you got for this one. I had something very similar. I was between, you know – 34-17, 31-14. I'm going to – just to be different, I'm going to call it 34 – Uh, what, did you say 31 or 34? I said 34-17. All right, I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to go 38-20. I'm going to call for a couple more points. 
So we're all that 10 to 17 range. Yeah, they're not going to cover. I mean, what was the line? 25? 22? It came out as 24, then it sharply dropped to like 21. Now it's creeping back up. These guys in Vegas obviously don't watch Alabama. Like, this game's not played on paper, buddy. Like, if you've watched the teams – and you've watched the uh, the passion that they played with. When I'm trending up, when I'm trending down. You hate to say that, but it is what it is. We um, call that a sucker's bet, right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've already I've already placed my bet on Auburn. I got it at 21 and a half. Uh, feel pretty good about it. But Gage, uh, before we get out of here, uh, we're going to try to get you back on. We're going to try to start rotating more guests after football season, which I guess you know just starting in a couple of weeks after we review the Iron Bowl and figure out what all is going on with the playoff and everything and see how that plays out. So we'll get you back on here, but you know, you're a big basketball guy as well. We watched many a basketball game in, in your old garage whenever you lived here within golf cart distance of me. And uh, so I know you're a big basketball guy. So give me a quick, you know, quick analysis of this, this young basketball team, I guess young, I can say new, this new roster that Alabama's deploying every night with a nine, 10 man rotation, still got guys banged up. You know, you've, Putting up some big numbers, damn near broke their uh, their three point record the other night against uh oh crap who was it Lester help me out Jacksonville State Jack State that's right I can't I want to say South Alabama I think we only beat them by ten but uh yeah Jacksonville State got their ass whooped and uh, you got Michigan State on Thanksgiving which will be the day after I release this so tell me what you think about this team so far early in the season. Oh man, they've been a lot of fun to watch. Um, I know we're we're still in football season, but I'm enjoying watching them on Tuesdays, Fridays, Saturdays, whatever days they're playing. Um, I know that they look promising so far. Also, it's Brandon Miller's birthday, so happy birthday to him. Um, the kid's freaking good. Is but, he you know, old for his age? Is he twenty? I don't know. I just okay. I saw it earlier that it was. I thought, his I, thought I heard some like an NBA scout saying that. You know, he was one of the older players in his class, so he might have turned 20. He's like like John Mark. Remember that dude, <laughs> like 22, his freshman year? He stopped playing baseball, and he was like 27. Yeah, something like that. Um, I mean, I, I'm enjoying it so far. You know, we've looked pretty good. Um, I know we're going to go through a gauntlet and uh, out-of-conference schedule here shortly. Um, we've got, like you said, we've got Michigan State on Thanksgiving night, super late. Um, but you know, there's also a chance to play really good teams the rest of that tournament. I know Villanova's in it, North Carolina is in it. Um, there's some chances to play some really good teams while they're out there. And then, you know, the the following week we gotta go to Houston. I know you and I sat there last year and watched us beat a Houston team and we both walked out and said, How did we win that game? They were so much better than us. Um, but you know, we gotta go to Houston and then after that, I know we have Gonzaga. They're actually coming up here to Birmingham. Um, I think Sab and I are going to try to go watch that game on a Saturday um, and watch them play the Zags. But, you know, they, they've got – they're about to get tested. You know, we're about to see what this team's really made of. Um, but you know this just like anybody else and Lester as well. Is that basketball is such a game of, of, like, streaks and momentum. You know, we've, we've seen teams in the past start out super hot and, and play really well and – November, December, and January, and then, you know, we get to February and March. It's just like we go flat. You know, we can't shoot. We're missing we're missing boards and free throws. So, um, I mean, NATO's has definitely got something moving special out there. Uh, I'm just looking forward to playing some of these teams that are coming up and seeing, you know, how we kind of um, line up against them. And it's funny you talk about that because I had a, a buddy I was talking to today from – he's a Mississippi State fan, and – he said, just think about this for a second. He said, I want you to think about how the world would burn down if Alabama sneaks in a playoff for football and then they start just running through these these elite basketball teams. Like, if they just go through there and they take care of a Michigan State and a, a Villanova, North Carolina, and then they go to Houston and they beat Gonzaga. And he's like, if all of this happens at one time, the world is just going to burn because people can't stand to see Alabama win. Um, but, no, I mean, I'm excited about the season. I'm hoping to – Go to a game over in Coleman here shortly. Um, I do know that we're going to go to the game against Gonzaga up here at BJCC. So, um, looking forward to it, but really still uh, not not giving up on football season yet. Yes, yeah, like we 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 stay the Alabama of college football, and then we turn into the Duke of college basketball. <laughs> the worst of both worlds, I guess you could say. 
But uh, yeah, Gage, that Houston game was almost your last night on this on planet Earth. Whenever you decided to uh, run up on on the car that JD Davidson was getting in on the strip at about two thirty in the morning, would you like to emphasize that story? <laughs> you know, you yeah, don't like don't that. run up on don't run up on people that don't know you. Um, I mean, I just I just wanted to go up and tell him the good game. You know, he kind of won that game at the very end when he blocked that shot and. You and I are stumbling down the street, and we see him. You know, he's got that that big head of hair that's like two feet tall, and saw him, and I'm just, you know, not in the right state of mind. But I'm gonna go up and tell him good game. But uh, I I can't remember if you pulled me off of that or I kind of yeah. had a I kind of had a moment where it was like, no, maybe we don't need to go do that because it wasn't just him standing there by himself. Hey, also don't mess with the propane tanks at uh, Rounders either, or Galettes, Galettes. Bar sucks now. <laughs> What does Sam say? The guy, what's up with your buddy in the cowboy hat? <laughs> it's turning into a Chip and Dale's over there, man. All of your, your big, all of your big bad bouncers <laughs> that are 150 pounds wearing cowboy hats and dancing to every song. And yeah, bouncers, I mean, bouncers should be real men like Brock. Yeah, Brock could Brock could handle it. I mean, I, I wouldn't have popped off to Brock like I did some of those 18 year old kids that were threatening to throw me out. I mean, dude, we're all grown here with like jobs. Don't talk to me like I'm a child before we <laughs> strangle you. <laughs> Goodness, there's like five, six. Hey, what, what are you doing? Dude, cut on the heat. It's cold, dude. What do you mean? What are we doing? What you're supposed to be doing? It's I'm January. Seeing... Damn it. <laughs> yeah, and then me, uh, me and Lester got to watch the Baylor game too last year. That was after JA's wedding. That was a crazy day. But uh, yeah. Yeah, Gage. So, are are you on the, are you in the state of mind like Lester is? Like Alabama's going thirty and zero, running through the SEC tournament, and then you know running being the first undefeated team since like the seventies UCLA, and it's like one hundred percent guarantee that Alabama cannot lose. No, um, no, I'm I'm not there yet. You know, I think I think they're gonna put up a a, a really good run. Um, they've kind of got a couple games, you know, to to get the get the train rolling, but, I mean, you're talking about almost the impossible. You know what I mean? I, I care about this team, you know, making a run, getting to March and, and getting deep. Um, I'm so sick and tired of Auburn fans talking about how they made it to a Final Four just to lose. Um, the way I'd look at it is you you won an Elite Eight game. You didn't really do anything in the Final Four. But. You know, it's like, it's like we almost don't want to get in the Final Four in football because we don't want to get embarrassed. There's a small part of me that feels that way. Then Auburn's so proud of their little Final Four. Yeah, we we came in, we almost did it. You know, we almost, almost, almost made it to winning it. I mean, I I, I know I'm not I'm not quite there. I love Lester's positivity for it. I think Lester's just taking all of his hope from football and put it in basketball. Um, but I mean, would I would I love it? Absolutely. I mean, I think it'd be great. Um, I really really want to uh, make a deep run in March, though. I mean, we're talking four months from now, but I think it'd be a lot of fun to watch that tournament and watch that team go deep. Lester, last thing, uh, still, you know, I'm trying to pull back on the hype train, but this 24 kid might be elite. He might be elite. What's he shooting? 57% from deep. It's what he was doing against Jacksonville state. I mean, those, those kids have families. And then he's like, he's in your face, like jawing at you. He's height, and he's backing up everything that he says. He he might be a dude. He is a dog. Man. It's Miller time. The high life, baby. Miller high life. That dude is so oh, good. God. He's so good. Just like the beer. He's so good. And I mean, he's just the quiet. He, he talks his. It's junk, but I mean, he's really just a graceful scorer. If if you can just put that in me, Emma, he's just graceful like a swan going through water. Everything looks so easy to him and effortless to him on the court. It's not like a Russell Westbrook where it's like a hard twenty, like you're running and going hundred percent like all the time. No, this dude is leisurely jogging the ball up the court. If it's open, he's gonna pull it. If you're there in his face, he's going to back you down, hit a fadeaway jump shot from the elbow. He's going to take it to the dunk. He's going to take it to the rim and dunk on you off of his own miss. I mean, that 
that guy, like Colin Sexton, very, very good. But unlike Colin Sexton, Brandis Miller's surrounded by guys who are damn good at the game of basketball also. Brandon Miller's just a highlight, but the guys surrounding him, which is the important part, they're damn good also, and they're really, really, really good pieces surrounding him. Yeah, as soon as I uh, talked smack about Namari Burnett last year, he goes off against Jacksonville State. And, you know, Miller, Lester, are you going to coin the term the champagne of, of Alabama basketball players? I'm not going to coin I'm sure somebody else will, though. Yeah, but, yeah, we will toast to that guy <laughs> every game. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, yeah, and, you know, against Jacksonville State, it was obvious what he was doing because he was scoring every damn possession. But there's been some games, I think he's averaging 18 and a half, 19 a game. There's been some games where he's been just a quiet 17. I went, yes, to, the, I went yes. to the Liberty game, and I looked up in the second half, and I'm like, he's got 16 points? Like, you just don't remember him scoring, even though he's – far and away the best player on the team it's just you know he's not he doesn't require a lot of one-on-ones you know what I'm saying he's not doing it individually he's doing it off the breaks and he's doing it off of rebounds and stuff like that and so you look up and he's got a quiet 19 you're like dang when did this guy score 19 points and so that's something that's really nice to see that he doesn't have to he doesn't have to have a lot of isolations to get his bucket so he's getting them within the flow of the offense and the flow of the game He's averaging twenty. Um, twenty, damn. He's averaging twenty. I mean, he he played the least amount of minutes against Jack State. He played twenty five minutes against Jack State and put up twenty eight points. But even more than that, you know, he's he's averaging nine point three rebounds a game. So he's yes. almost averaging a double double. But I remember when when J D Davidson came to Alabama. I remember like well, just watching his highlights in high school and everything when he's just all over the place and he's making every shot and he's dunking on anybody and their mama that got in his way. But, and, and when he, when he signed to come to Alabama, we were like, this guy's going to come in. He's going to take over the offense. He's not going to be afraid to shoot the ball. He's going to look, I'm the guy I'm going to be him. And I'm going to go up here and make this offense special. And, you know, I mean, JD was good. You know, he had his flaws like anybody else, but Brandon Miller is coming in and be like, look, this is my team. I'm going to shoot when I want to, I'm going to go get my boards and we're going to win. Um, I don't have to play every minute of the game, um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get mine. So he's going to put up his points. He's going to get some boards, and he's going to kind of, you know, just take over the offense. And that's what we hope J.D. Davidson would do. But Brandon Miller is definitely doing that. I mean, averaging almost a double-double, even only through four games, you know, but just to show that that ability to, you know, play both sides of the ball. I mean, he's just – he's special. Yeah, there's uh, there's no I in team. There is in win. Famous quote from Michael Jordan, Kobe. I can't remember which one said it. Kobe said there is an M.E. in, in team. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, lo- love watching him play, love watching the team. Hopefully Alabama comes to its senses. Um, kind of, like you know, treat this like a playoff game, playoff berth on the line, I guess. You know, you got to you gotta win this one comfortably in order to go to the playoffs. You know, just kind of approach it like that. Hopefully they do. Um, y'all don't eat too much turkey on Thanksgiving Day. Stay up late. Don't fall asleep. Uh, watch the tie take on Michigan State. Um, Gage, we appreciate you filling in for J-Law. Hopefully J-Law's back next week. Lester, appreciate you as always. Episode 79 of the Gump Runners podcast. We'll see y'all next week.